Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. We all live in the age of information. We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where... Where can I hook up my bottom? Every trace of our existence is computerized. Everything about us is encoded somewhere on a complex network of information. Computers your life, aren't they? Yes. Perfect hiding place. Computer analyst Angela Bennett was just doing her job. When she stumbled onto something what is this? she never should have seen. I plugged it in and I'm staring at the personal medical files of the Undersecretary of Defense, Michael Bergstrom. Someone's tapped into the system. How long would it take to track her? Depends on how long she stays online. Something. Why would anybody want to do any of this? That reaches farther than she could ever imagine. They hacked into computers and they caused this chaos. Wall Street. The market panicked as officials suspended trading. The Department of Water and Power in Atlanta. LAX. We've lost radar contact. Now. It's time to go. They're manipulating her world. You can make it reality, won't you choose? According to the Department of Motor Vehicles, you're Ruth Marks. They've, they've screwed with my information and, and my fingerprints. I don't understand. Why me? Infiltrating her life. Find whoever she's been speaking to. No, he was not a diabetic. Where? And erasing her identity. We've got an outstanding warrant for Ruth Marks on federal charges. I am Angela Bennett! Just give us the disc and we'll give you your life back. She has the evidence. She's copied the disc. Have a go. But they have the power. This summer, Sandra Bullock is caught in the net. A film by Urban Winkler. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie The Net from 1995. The studio was Columbia Pictures. The release date was July 28, 1995. The running time, 115 minutes, and was rated PG-13. The budget, $22 million. Box office took in $50 million, making it the 35th ranked movie of 1995. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 42% rotten from 53 reviews. Their consensus is the premise isn't without potential, and Sandra Bullock is as likable as ever, but the net lacks sufficient thrills or plausible plot points to recommend catching. However, Roger Ebert at the time gave it three out of four stars. Here's his review. Perhaps this is simply a charm period in Sandra Bullock's life, and soon she will return to Earth and resume her career as an actress at the mercy of her material. Just now, however, she seems able to transcend the genre she appears in, to make us care about her characters even when they're mired in preposterous dreck. Consider, in the last 18 months, she A, became a star in Speed, which is a terrific action movie and remains her best film, B, overcame the obligatory cliches and predictable developments of While You Were Sleeping, which became a heartwarming love story thanks to the chemistry between her and Bill Pullman, and C, now pulls off the neat trick of making me care about her character in the net, which is an assembly of Hitchcock situations in search of a story. True, the net dresses up its plot with a trendy front end, by using the internet as a hook. The Bullock character named Angela Bennett is a shy, reclusive intellectual who, in the old days, would have been a librarian or a school marm. In the net, she's a computer professional who sits at home for days on end, testing new software. The plot is so concocted that I had no business caring about it, but I did because of Bullock. How does she do that? She's very low-key, she seems so natural, she seems to be remembering a scene rather than playing it. She has a warm smile, she never overacts, she creates the sensation that although a scene may seem absurd to us, it seems perfectly real to her, and we buy it. The computer stuff will interest anyone into such things. It's a revealing detail that she uses Macs, which for me means she loves computers instead of merely working with them. 
She has an ultra-high-speed modem connection, I guess, since internet stuff pops up at the moment she hits the return key. Her online buddies are always on call for her. And the bad guys have programs that can not only hack into any computer, but do it instantly, without bothersome details like dial tones, logons, etc. One more detail. It's well known that in the movies, when someone turns on a TV, a story crucial to the plot is always miraculously right there on screen. The net sets a record with three stories in a row, all dealing with the aspects of the plot. Not exactly plausible. And still, I like this movie. If Sandra Bullock ever gets a great screenplay, we may need seatbelts. And that's the end of Ebert's review. So Ebert sort of predicted Bullock's rise to a critical acclaim as she would eventually win an Oscar for the Best Actress in 2010 for The Blind Side. Now, The Net came out in the summer of 1995, and at this point, I would have been going into my senior year of high school. The most surfing on the internet was going to be at a friend's house and using Prodigy to instant message folks. But by the end of 1996, I was fully wrapped up into finding sports scores in real time, much quicker than watching ESPN, and trying to find information about my favorite bands who may have had a website at the time. I've often said I'm glad that my childhood was internetless. Things are too accessible today, and frankly, much of the chaos in the world could be attributed to social media. But I digress. That's for another episode. Well, maybe. Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So the original idea for the story had to do with replacing someone's identity, not necessarily through the internet, which was very much in its infancy in 1993. Eventually, that main idea transformed into replacing of the identity through modern technology and the internet. As articles would arise about identities being stolen and everything you do online is being watched. Does that sound familiar? Initially, when producer and director Erwin Winkler approached writers Michael Ferris and John Brancato, he wanted a story along the lines of Three Days of the Condor or The Parallax View, both of which came out in the 1970s and involved thriller espionage. That hidden world of information handlers is fascinating, and films like that weren't being made as much in the mid-1990s. This intrigued the writers to see if they could write a story where the villain really doesn't have a face. It's more of an abstract villain. Eventually, that faceless villain was changed a bit, since audiences simply have a tougher time rooting against a villain they can't see. Winkler was also intrigued with the personal computer phenomenon of the late 1980s, as he would arrive home and his wife would almost ignore him because she was so focused on the computer. He knew there was a story where people could get addicted to the computer or internet, and how right he was. Winkler remembered that he saw Sandra Bullock in the film Demolition Man, which had Sylvester Stallone in it, and this was a few years prior, and he really enjoyed her role in that film. Plus, Bullock was coming off the enormous action hit Speed the year prior with Keanu Reeves and Dennis Hopper, where she could be charming and tough at the same time. However, the studio wasn't sure that Bullock could carry a movie by herself, since she was still a relative newcomer. She took a meeting with Winkler and co-producer Rob Cohen and immediately won them over in a few hours talking about the role. Bullock didn't immediately take the part, since there were a few things in the script she just didn't feel worked for her. But the producers wanted her to star in the film, and they made the adjustments. Also, at the time, Winkler was better known as a top-notch producer, not a director. And so, at the age of 60, he tried directing, and he had only directed two films prior to The Net. That was 1991's Guilty by Suspicion with Robert De Niro and Annette Bening, and 1992's Night in the City, also with De Niro and Jessica Lange, both of which did poorly at the box office. But Winkler had enormous successes as a producer with his partner, Robert Chardoff. And he produced films like all of the Rocky films, Raging Bull, The Right Stuff, and Goodfellas. Jeremy Northam was only known for his TV series work in England, and this worked to the advantage of his casting, as the producers wanted an unknown, without expectations or preconceived notions from other films. And he was going to be the lead villain in the net. Okay, let's get into the film. So it opens in Washington, D.C., where the Secretary of Defense makes phone calls to his wife and son while sitting on a bench at a secluded park. After he makes his call, he pulls out a gun and kills himself. If you know your political history from the 1990s, this scene was inspired by the suicide of Vince Foster, who did the same thing at a Washington, D.C. park in 1993. Foster was part of the Bill Clinton administration, and he committed suicide, but his death was filled with questions about what really happened. We then go to Southern California, where we see Angela Bennett, played by Sandra Bullock, talking to a client about the virus he has on his computer. 
Angela is a computer analyst and also works from home, which back then was a novelty in the mid-1990s. Now, in 2023, a majority of tech workers work remotely. After helping her client, she then orders a pizza online. Again, we take all of this for granted now, but in 1995, this was pretty amazing stuff, which is why the net is a terrific time capsule showcasing the infancy of the internet. Well, you have been virus, Mr. DePina, and a not-so-very-nice one. You are the best. I knew I could count on you. So what should we do? Well... Don't think about hitting the escape key on any of your systems for a while. One keystroke will wipe out your whole system. God, I don't know how these things happen. You know, I just ordered that security program last week. What's it called? Gatekeeper? Well, that's what they all say. Did you install it? Absolutely. The minute we got it. I think. Not to worry. Everything's under control. It's going to be okay. You're the best, Angela. Now, do you think we'll be able to get this back in stores by week's end? Absolutely. Everything but the virus. A friend of mine collects them. I don't know. Some people say string. You are a genius, Angela. I can't thank you enough. Yeah, well, you might think differently once you get my bill from Cathedral. Look, whatever it is, it's worth it. Angela, I'd love to show you my appreciation. Take you out to dinner tonight, some drinks, get you out of the house. Oh, I'm very flattered and appreciative, but I... You gotta eat. Uh, it's... Unfortunately, uh, I already have dinner plans, so... How about tomorrow? The next day? Um, these, these plans are kind of a, a standing arrangement, but I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Look, you're still the I'll best. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye now. like that, Iceman, could lead to the eventual extinction of our species. My sympathies exactly, Angel. Let's have a date and procreate. Well, not me. Two days, I'm off on vacation. Just me, beach, and a book. I'm there, babe. Look no further. Sorry, not my type. I'm crushed. So, what do you want in a man? Hmm. Butch. Beautiful. Brilliant. Captain America meets Albert Schweitzer. Spends all day dashing into world safe for democracy at night playing Bach cantatas while curing cancer settle for a guy who puts the seat down <laughs> Mason Angel you're dreaming you're one of us we accept you we accept her you're one of us one of us yeah, I know. Ah, the early days of online chatting. The next day, Angela visits her mom at a nursing facility as her mom suffers from Alzheimer's disease. It's heartbreaking for Angela as her mom often doesn't remember who she is during the visits. With the exception of the visits to her mom, who again doesn't know who she is, Angela pretty much stays at home all the time working or surfing online and has very little in-person contact. By the way, in this movie, you also get to hear the terrific sound of the dial-up when connecting to the internet. Angela receives a package in the mail, which includes a floppy disk, remember those, which has a new music program on it featuring a band. She calls her co-worker Dale, played by Ray McKinnon, who does work in a traditional office with some updates. Mozart's Ghost, the hottest band on the internet! Software. Dale Esmer, please. Hello. Hi, it's Angela. Angela? FedEx ship software had you signing for that disc three minutes ago. What took you so long? Well, I was having way too much fun with this Mozart's ghost. 
by the way, I sent you a whopper of a virus for your Hall of Fame. Just be a little careful with the escape button. Look, uh, here's the problem. Pop yourself into concert information. All right. Houston Utilities. Um, Dale, I think you took a wrong turn here. Not quite Ticketmaster, is it? See anything unusual? Mm, no, looks like a normal web page to me, except for that little, is that little icon at the bottom of the screen? Click on it and then press Control-Shift. My God. So, what do you make of all this? Simple, it's a, it's a programming glitch. It's just a futz keystroke that sent you to the wrong internet address, that's all. Last night it sent me to Amtrak Central Mainframe and then the Mayo Clinic, neither of them on the same subnet. Angela, I've accessed a system I shouldn't have. If someone gets a hold of that disk, they'd have an awful lot of power. So why don't you just crawl in there, find the program error, and delete it? Not quite ready to do that yet. Look, uh, what's your day like tomorrow? Oh, no. No, 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 no. I'm going on my first vacation in six years. Just made my reservation and confirmed that there are no refunds. Okay? What time is your flight? Twelve, but I have to pack. So I'm gonna be a complete mad woman. So why don't you just why don't you just wait till I get back? I don't think so. Come on, why don't you just tell me what this is about? Look, I'd rather not on the phone. Look, I can fly down tonight on my Cessna, be there by breakfast. We'd have five hours. Angela. You know this shit better than anyone? <sighs> Fine. Fine, fine, fine. I'll see you at seven. Great. Great. So, they finally get to meet. I'll be the, uh, the tall guy. Now I'm gonna be the one with spineless simp tattoo to her forehead. Bye. Bye. See you tomorrow. Why do I do this? While flying his private plane to meet Angela, Dale's coordinates become skewed which causes a malfunction, and his plane goes off course, and he crashes into a water tower, causing the plane to explode and killing him. Before she leaves for her vacation to Mexico, she calls the office and is informed about Dale's death. When Angela gets to the airport, it's complete chaos, as all the flights are either delayed or canceled. While waiting in the airport food court, we see a news report about the Secretary of Defense who killed himself at the beginning of the film. The report claims the Secretary had been infected with HIV prior to his suicide. Angela does make it to Mexico, but it seems like she's being followed by different men, which began at the airport and carried over to Mexico. While at the beach, Angela meets a rich and handsome tech guy named Jack Devlin, played by Jeremy Northam, and the two have lunch and spend the entire day together. By the way, the last name of Devlin, well, that's a nod to Alfred Hitchcock and the movie Notorious, which had the name Devlin as Cary Grant's character name. So, later that night on the beach... Must be a bit cold. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. What? Look at Wait. <laughs> oh. But you quit, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I refuse to. I reckon you've got to try a few things in life without a safety net. Oh. How is he going to know you're alive? Well, I, I, I take my share of risks. Uh-huh. Um, I don't always floss. Uh, I, I rip the tags off my pillows uh, when they're new. I kind of do Yeah, well... Any adventurous? I don't know. What does he have in mind? <laughs> they risk it. Oh, shit. My purse. No, no, don't. It's not worth getting killed. Come back. Jack, you. Don't come back here. It's not here. It's not an hotel. I look everywhere. Shh. So I come here, I do like you say, whoosh, like magician. Oh, yeah. You're the midget Houdini. Then <laughs> okay, dame el dinero.
Jack, of course, isn't who he claims to be. He hired the guy following Angela to take her purse, and then shot and killed that guy. Jack quickly looks through the purse and finds a floppy disk, which is Mozart's ghost. He then slices open his hand with a pocket knife to act like he was injured in the struggle. They go back on Jack's boat, and he takes her out in the middle of the ocean in order to kill and dump her in the ocean. However, they have sex because pleasure before business for Jack, and you can tell that Jack may have a tad bit of remorse about what he's going to do. He also gets careless and leaves his gun on the deck, which is found by Angela. Now, Jack claims it's for the sharks because you would need a silencer for that. So, who are you, Jack? (laughs) Who am I? Who am I? I'll tell you who I am. I'm Captain Goddamn America meets Albert Schweitzer. That's who I am. Isn't that what you always wanted? Yeah, it is. I remember. It was, um, butch, beautiful, brilliant, spends all day dashing into the fray, her fists flying. Now, sorry, I don't know any, uh, organ cantatas, was that it? Yeah, and if you'll excuse me, it's, uh, it's time to make the world safe for democracy. Angela finds her floppy disk in a drawer after knocking out Jack and then hops on the dinghy and speeds away. However, she crashes into some rocks and she awakens in the hospital three days later after being knocked out and was found by a fisherman. She still has Jack's wallet, but the floppy disk is destroyed. It's funny to see the doctor treating Angela because he's smoking openly while talking to her. Angela quickly checks out of the hospital and heads to her hotel to check out. We see news reports on the hotel TVs that there have been a number of cyber attacks which have halted trading on Wall Street and likely caused the flights to be delayed when Angela originally left for Mexico. To prevent these cyber attacks, a new cyber defense program is being put into place. When Angela tries to check out of her hotel, the computer claims the name Angela Bennett checked out a week prior. Confused, Angela tries to call her credit card company, but there's no record of her. And then a woman at the U.S. consulate appears, and she believes that Angela is named Ruth Marks. It seems that Angela's entire identity has been wiped out and replaced, as her social security number, driver's license, photo, and address have all been assigned to this Ruth Marks. Realizing that without her original driver's license and unable to obtain a temporary visa in order to get back into the United States, Angela has no choice but to assume the identity of Ruth Marks just to get back home. 
Angela arrives at the Los Angeles airport and takes a cab back to her house. She discovers her house is now up for sale and is completely empty. A real estate agent is at her place believing she is a potential buyer. Since Angela was basically a hermit, most of her neighbors never saw her or only caught a brief faraway glimpse of her. Angela calls the police and a neighbor claims a woman moved out three days prior. Nobody believes Angela is who she says she is. Plus, Jack is still alive, waiting outside of Angela's house as he had hacked into the police database and edited her record with false arrests. Yeah, we've got uh, Ruth Marks trying to run a scam in a house. She's uh, wanted for prostitution and narcotics, so we're going to bring her in. Um, would you excuse me? Um, I'm going to be right back. I'm just going to use... This is Reigns. Is she or isn't she? She kept to herself, didn't talk to anybody. Where's the girl? She's... Where's my phone? Anybody see my phone? Sir, do you see a young woman running out of here? No, sir, I haven't seen anyone. Thanks. find whoever she's been speaking to. Don't forget she's out here on her own. She's feeling pretty vulnerable. We don't want another Cosmel, Mr. Devlin. She's your responsibility. Deal with it. I said I'd take care of her, all right? Cathedral Software. Russ Melbourne. Mr. Melbourne is no longer with the company. What do you mean? What? May I connect you to someone who could help you? I don't, I've never, I've never, I've never dealt with anybody in operations. I don't... Who may I connect you no, with? No, anybody else. Um, the head of, head of security systems, look, just tell them that it's Angela Bennett. Thank you, I'll put you through to Miss Bennett. What? No. I am Angela Bennett. Hello? Hello, this is Angela Bennett. <sighs> who is this? This is Angela Bennett, hello? This is someone that can help you. Give us the disc, Angela. You have the wrong person. I don't, I don't know what you're talking Angela, about. Angela, we're not offering an option here. Just give us the disc and we'll give you your life back. I don't understand. I don't have your disc. I don't know what you mean. Give us the disc, Angela. Also listening on that call was Jack, who was driving around trying to find Angela and calls his contact to try to put a trace on the cell phone Angela stole from the real estate agent. But Angela knew the phone could be traced, so she gave it to a homeless man. The only person Angela knows that's local is her therapist, Alan, played by Dennis Miller. Alan goes to Angela and picks her up. By the way, Angela had dated Alan a while back. Alan takes Angela to a hotel and Angela tries to make sense of what happened. Alan brings up the vital point that part of the reason Angela was such a perfect mark was because she was shut off from the entire outside world. And today you find this extremely common because everyone is on this online-centric world. It isn't healthy. So Erwin Winkler wanted someone to bring a bit of levity to the suspense of the story, and that's why Dennis Miller was a good choice for Alan. Because he wasn't a trained actor, he was a stand-up comic by trade. Angela is most concerned about the safety of her mom and asks Alan if he can have her moved and under an assumed name. Since he's a licensed psychiatrist, he can have this done. Alan also has a friend who works at the FBI named Ben, who may be able to help out Angela and her situation. 
Angela still has her laptop with her and logs into the Naval Hospital database and clicks on the pie symbol icon, which her co-worker Dale told her about in the beginning of the film. It's here where Angela accesses the file of the Secretary of Defense who had committed suicide earlier in the film. In his file, it was determined that the Secretary did not have HIV and was misdiagnosed. He killed himself due to the impression that he did have HIV. The connection is that this hack was done to get rid of the roadblock the defense secretary was likely causing for the cyber defense company. At least that's what the viewer can assume. Unfortunately, because she logged in, Jack can trace her if she stays on longer than 15 minutes. Angela tries to find the people in the chat room she frequents, which has hackers or cyber geeks. She discovered that they're either kids in a different country or wouldn't be able to help her at all. Except for one, who has the screen name CyberBob. He's 39 and lives in West Hollywood. She asks for his help and about the Pi symbol hack, which CyberBob believes can cause a major cyber attack. He agrees to meet her in person at a public place, the Santa Monica Pier, that night. Unfortunately, Jack finds out where CyberBob lives and kills him. Alan ends up having an allergic reaction while driving Angela to the pier, and she rushes him to the ER. She stays with Alan for a bit, but he's fine and then eventually falls asleep. Angela then heads to the pier, but unbeknownst to her, after she left, someone acting like a nurse tampered with Alan's IV drip. Stay right here. Sorry, Bob couldn't make it. Hey, hey. Hey, I hope this isn't how you greet all your old lovers. It's not exactly the category that you fit into. Huh? I'm surprised It was difficult, right? Because I was attracted to you. I still am. I'm genuinely attracted yeah, to well, you. Yeah, well, I'm genuinely attracted. Half the Santa Monica Police Department don't go to me now. Yeah? I know you've been avoiding them since you ran out of that house. Well, I'm sure they'd still be very interested in hearing how you crashed Del Hesman's plane, how you try to kill me. I'm sure they'd love to hear about that. Well, go ahead, you feel free. I'm sure they'd be happy to make your acquaintance. Did you know that um, Ruth Marks has a criminal record? The drugs. Prostitution. You've got quite a record. Yeah, almost as good a record as Bergstrom has, huh? Because I know about Bergstrom's suicide and I know all about the Torians, too. So I'm sure they'd love to hear about that. Everybody has their button. And Bergstrom's just happened to be homophobia. You just have to know people well enough to know which... which button to push. Your disc. If I had it, I would give it to you. I don't have it. Okay. It was ruined in Mexico. It's okay. But what we need now is what's up here, so you come with me. I promise you. I promise you I'll look after you. Come on. See you later. Bye. Oh, excuse me. I'm Understand. What do you want? It's not about what I want. It's about what my employers want. So take a look around you. Do you think things are working? I don't think so. They believe they can make things better. It's like they're killing people. I don't ask too many questions. I suggest you do the same. Angela escapes from Jack and races around the amusement park section of the pier, including a suspenseful cat and mouse chase on the Ferris wheel. Angela returns back to the ER to find staff rushing to Alan's room as he had flatlined and is no longer breathing and they can't save him. Angela is devastated and confused and ends up sleeping in Alan's car in the parking lot. She drives up to the coast and receives a call on the car phone. It's Jack. Hello? You've no idea what it does to me just hearing the sound of your voice. But don't hang up, Angela, please. This is important. If you would just take a step back from all of this, you'd, you'd see that you and I, we're really not so very different. We're both loners. We're both isolated. We're both 
really untrusting. We're both looking for the same clarity. You've come to mean a great deal to me. Yeah, well, you mean shit to me. Look, I, um, I have to admit an arrogance in, um, in my perceptions of you. See, I've, I've come to visit a friend of mine. An old piano teacher friend of mine. You leave my mother alone. Uh, well, it seems I have no choice. She's been moved by Dr. Champion. The late uh, Dr. Champion. Angela is chased by the cops, and after trying to flee after crashing, she is captured and arrested. All right, there's about 30 minutes left, so how will Angela get out of this mess and get back her identity? And why was she targeted in the first place? And what's the end game ultimately for the assassins? Well, it's all answered in a thrilling and suspenseful final half hour, which also happens to take place in San Francisco. Now, while some may want to see this movie simply because of early internet age nostalgia or because they enjoy Sandra Bullock movies, as I do, you know, she's really a true movie star, unlike today's actors, The Net is actually a very well-done thriller that you may have forgotten about. Plus, many of the issues about online activity are incredibly relevant today. This film kind of predicted a lot of the problems we have today. Plus, the filmmakers did a terrific job showing code and typing from a computer screen as suspenseful. That's not easy to do. There's definitely a Hitchcock vibe to this film of putting an ordinary person in an extraordinary situation. Also, it's fun to see how this film really showcased the talents of Sandra Bullock, and the success of this film led to her continuing rise and stardom over the next 20 years. All right, some fun facts. Erwin Winkler's son, Charles, released a straight-to-video sequel to The Net in 2006 called The Net 2.0. I've never seen it, and I'm really not interested. But if you are, I'm just passing along that info. Now, for tech geeks, the operating system Angela uses throughout the movie is the Mac OS 7. The game that Angela is playing and debugging at the beginning of the movie is the Apple version of Wolfenstein 3D, which came out in 1992. It's similar to the console editions of the game released on the Atari Jaguar and 3DO. All right, we have a special guest, and that's Lindsay, who remembers seeing this movie back in the day. But how does she feel about this film now? Does it hold up for her? Well, we'll find out. And I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Okay, we're back on the interwebs with Lindsay. Welcome back. Hey, Brian. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me again. Okay, so for, I want to say weeks, maybe months, you've been poo-pooing and postponing this for other movies. Why do, were you postponing this? I so. wasn't poo-pooing it. That's that's not actually no, you were accurate. It, it was more like 
I was interested in some of the other movies that you had on the docket because they were older. And this one I had seen, but I guess I'm so old I kind of forgot. I only remembered a couple of scenes, honestly, that were familiar to me. I guess I was just um, more focused on other films. and I. But I'm glad we watched this because this was better than what I remember. I think it was less cheesy than what I thought it would be. I mean, this film came out in 1995 when the internet was barely a thing. I was 16 years old, mm-hmm. junior in high school. So, I mean, we were, you know, barely using the internet. I mean, right. we were just getting a computer, you know, lab in the school library or whatever. So I, I didn't poo-poo this one or not want to watch it. I just, there were more interesting films in front of it, mm-hmm. really. And to be honest, after watching it today, I feel like it was a better film than I remember. And it did have some pretty good suspense. Well, yeah, it's it's more of a thrower. I, I think the initial draw to this for modern viewers is seeing the infancy of the internet for the average person and seeing how uh, Sandra Bullock's character is kind of like the modern tech geek, but that wasn't the norm back then. She worked from home. I mean, nobody worked from home back then. She was all remote. She could do all this cool, you know, the... The graphics are very dated, but, very. you know, that's fine. But, uh, you know, she was booking a flight online. She was ordering a pizza online. Yeah. That's completely foreign in 1995. I don't remember doing that until into the 2000s sometime well at least. Into, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, like, I think that the interesting point the film raises is while it has some cheesy elements, and I am not a computer programmer, I do not know how any of this stuff works to be quite honest i do know that like it or not we're very well monitored and tracked and extremely vulnerable today and this movie really highlighted the fact that those vulnerabilities were inevitable as a result of connectivity on the internet and i think it made that point very clearly so much so that whole people can be erased or wiped out or made to be somebody else based on access to records that are all electronic there was a time back in the day when everything was done on paper like there were paper files of things there's a vulnerability to that as well but electronic only files means there's a, a lot of um, potential for wrongdoing if people have access, and that's the point of this film. The mm-hmm. wrong people for the wrong reasons, i.e. money, yeah. um, get access to things that they shouldn't, and they're smart enough to do that. And um, that is not at all dissimilar to today. the situation we find ourselves in today. Well, the problem with today is we were so reliant on technology. If something goes down, so we, were, we talked about this not too long ago, we you stopped at a Starbucks and their computer system was completely down, which means you couldn't buy, pay by credit card. No. Well, a lot of people today they don't carry any cash with them. No. So they're screwed. They couldn't have gone to that Starbucks because no. they could only accept cash. No. And I mean, on another extreme of that similar situation is when you and I were at a Concert. Jewish deli oh, in yes, Berkeley yeah. Yeah. and we were trying to pay Paying and in cash. front of us yeah. was a man, an elderly gentleman who's probably in his 80s mm-hmm. and he was trying to buy some cookies mm-hmm. and he couldn't do it because he was trying to pay with cash and they like wouldn't take his cash. And yeah. it's so weird because it's like we grew up in an era and many people have where you know cash is king as mm-hmm. they say like every cat how could cash not work like right. it's cash like what the hell and now it's to a point where nobody really tends to carry cash whether they're worried about the security of being you know carrying too much cash and mm-hmm. potentially being vulnerable to a robbery or stores just can't be responsible for doing anything not digitally and COVID-19 didn't help this it really pushed us in the direction of no more hand-to-hand transactional touchy-touchy moments right Mm -hmm. so like all of a sudden we're going all and it's it's more than even just being digital it's like now it used to be like oh use your credit card use your debit card whatever now it's like people using Apple Pay you don't even have a lot of people don't even carry a card. Right. They carry a phone. So the thing that would kill them would be not having the phone. That would be the problem. Well, you bring up a great point about the phone. So we went to a concert. Uh, our friends weren't with us. And they couldn't log on to the app, which yeah. meant they had no backup for their paper ticket 
um, all, they, they couldn't get into the concert if they couldn't log on to their app because your phone is your ticket. And there was a glitch with the parking scenario right. where our friend paid for parking through the app from which he purchased yeah. the ticket, and it turned out to be... I hate to say it, but like a bit of a scam. It like the they they he paid forty two dollars for parking through this app to yep. pre park, and he shows up, and it turns out that like oh they don't they don't even have the authority to ask for that money to to give him the spot. Right. So it was like now he doesn't have the parking, and he has to pay for the parking even though he paid for it. So parking costs like eighty dollars, eighty four dollars yeah. to be yeah. exact, and then he gets there and he can't really get the app mm -hmm. downloaded so he can get the ticket. I mean it's like. Yeah, do you remember when you used to just get paper tickets and you walked in yeah. and that was that? It was easy. It's, I guess the movie brings up a lot of... It was way ahead of its yeah, time. Yeah, it was way ways. ahead of its time, but it brings up a lot of, like, nostalgia, but also fear around, like, nostalgia for the way we used to do things that, honestly, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I really yeah. don't know what was wrong with paper tickets. And fine, you want to do it digitally, no problemo, but let people still do it the old way. But it brings up not only that nostalgia for what was, mm -hmm. but fear of yep. like the vulnerability of today yep. it is a lot like what this movie portrayed in 1995. It's almost like all those years earlier, almost 30 years it. earlier, they predicted the drama and yeah. the, I mean, how freaky is it? And I'm sure other people who might listen to this have experienced this where you're on your phone or your phone is nearby and you're just having a conversation with someone and you're talking about some random thing that, you know, barbecue grills, this is an actual example. This yeah. really happened to me once. I never really talk about that or haven't had one in many years. And then all of a sudden, the next like day or a couple of days, all I'm getting are these served ads sure. for barbecue. I mean, that's not a coincidence. Like Absolutely not. something heard that. Yeah. And started serving this stuff up because it was part of a conversation. This is why I don't use Siri or Alexa or any and of those Google things. Google tell me. Yes, yeah, it's exactly. it's bad They're enough already. Yep. So I mean, I hate to say that this movie was like eerily um, fortuitous. Yeah, yeah prophetic. <laughs> like yeah. it was, it was telling the future before the future arrived. But what's really scary it's is true. these things happen to us all the time. And I think and now getting, it's normal. Yeah, it's normalized. And getting back to the film. This was happening in 1995, the film, when it was a day when this was the worst case scenario, completely impossible. Like, how are they able to do this? And the fact that you and I can sit here today, almost 30 examples. years later, and yeah. be like, oh, yeah, I can totally see how this would happen. Like, yeah. somebody could completely be wiped off the face of the, yeah. the earth from public records. Like, we, I can see it. That's insane. Yeah. Like, that's an insane conversation to be having. Well, in the main, um, they're called the Praetorians in there. That's anonymous. Like, yeah. That is anonymous. And so, again, a lot of this, I, I think people kind of brush this aside. Oh, this is just a cheesy 90, 90s movie. The, the technology is probably dated. I'm telling you, watch the movie. You'll be surprised how good the thrilling, you know, the thriller aspect of it is. But also how the drama keeps you uh, engaged because it's typing. And you think, well, typing isn't, that isn't drama. That isn't, isn't thrilling, but it is. They made it to where it was exciting to see if she can be able to do this in time before she gets caught. Yeah, they did a good job of that. And one quick, I don't know if it's maybe not necessarily a correction. Maybe it's a clarification for my point. The only thing about Anonymous is they did good, bad things, right? They were kind of like well, trying to do things earnestly that weren't like great things, but it was in the name of like greater good. Isn't that right? Well, I just don't want to give Anonymous a bad name because I actually think that they did work that was valuable work to protect people. In versus... some aspects, in some aspects there, and it's like anything else that you can be corrupted. There's some that probably wanted to do certain things, but they have it. They have biases. So what's good to one person isn't good to another. So well, just in case, I want to but, give a shout out to the ones no, who did all the good work because I mean, there, really, are they... there are definitely some hackers that could go and, and try to find you know pedophiles and things like that and 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 do that but then if you had a certain political agenda well who's to say your political agenda is better than the other person's it's right. all involving money at some point right and in this case the the impetus behind this whole film had to do with politics anyway and business wow. so and not to give anything away because we're not going to do that but um the root of all evil here is money. Well, I, it is. It always is. It, it's like the oldest story in all of it is. the it world and Hollywood. Money. money and power. But I would like to say that I hope that if Anonymous is listening, they're doing all the good work that's like good trouble. I, Get in good trouble. If they can, but that's but again, you... 
because the, you know the problem with that type of group is you're also dealing with rogue people that they could go rogue too. Well, so, I think anybody can yeah, go the, rogue. I mean, that's the problem, right? It's uh, there are people who ha- who are better suited to do this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, like they have a ton of expertise, but the the fear of being so online yeah. that you're vulnerable like Sandra Bullock was in this mm-hmm. film at, at any time, her, her character, Angela Bennett. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very real. Sure. And, and honestly, like, you don't want to, I don't know, you don't mess with certain things. Like, no. there's a lot of um, real anxiety. Like, this actually, like, stirred up a lot of fear about not doing the wrong things. Like, mm-hmm. making sure that when you make decisions about how you navigate your life in the in the connected world that you do it in the smartest way possible all of us are doing the best we can to protect ourselves and mm-hmm. you know not doing things that leave us vulnerable but the reality is the sad reality is that no matter how much care we take i think it's that enough. it's never enough and this film about 30 years ago now did a good job of highlighting what those vulnerabilities were going to be before they were really that real. That was um, a thing of Hollywood, like Mm -hmm. a figment of Hollywood's imagination back then. But now we live in a society where I think it's legitimate that we have to watch everything Mm -hmm. we do. And even when we do that, there isn't a guarantee that we're going to be able to be as safe as we want to be, even doing all the right things. That, if you really hold on that point for a second it's pretty poignant i mean and it's it's scary like it i i wonder like all things in the world you know they're the pendulum swing like remember when no one hopefully they won't tight roll jeans anymore but you know like all the fashion trends come back and forth you don't want to peg your pants i would rather not anymore that was that was like not a good one like i really (laughs) don't want that one to come back but can anonymous just wipe out all that from existence? Oh God, that would be a gift. Um, but it's it's funny because it's like we see the pendulum swing with with fashion and music and all kinds of things. I don't know if the pendulum can swing back to a time when people of a younger generation are less interested in the connected stuff we have today. Like, will it be in vogue to pay with cash? Mm-hmm. Will it be you know in vogue to print those paper, paper tickets, tickets yeah. or Will it be like desirable to not be a part of social media or to pull yourself off? Like, is that going to be the new young people thing? I think the key to everything is as long as those options are available, there's a chance. Yeah. The problem here is what we just discussed. If more and more restaurants say there is a zero cash policy, that's a problem. You have to always have the option. Well, if they take the option from you, I mean, you're right. Then it starts fading into obscurity. So. You always need some sort of option, and if the if the option's available, the the pendulum can swing. It's kind of like uh, vinyl records. The option was always there; it wasn't as popular. And now it's and now really it's flared back. up. And now for back. physical media, it's the most popular again. So. Well, I hope that there's a possibility that that can happen. I mean, I say that very ironically, knowing that we're sure. having a conversation. On We're a computer, of course, doing an audio recording that years ago we would have never been able to do when no. we were the age mm-hmm. when we were sixteen and seventeen years old when this film came out. Yeah. We would have completely been sure. unable to access this and Look, have it. And we're not trying to say this all technology is negative. Absolutely not. It has yeah. it has changed society in so many ways mm-hmm. for the better that we I mean, I wouldn't even know you if That's not for right. that. And we, many of yeah. us wouldn't have the jobs we have, yeah. we wouldn't have the friends we have, we wouldn't have Absolutely stayed connected. Right. So a hundred percent there's no way to overlook it. But at the same time, you know, you think about where we're at today and go like, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that there is necessarily a path back to where we were. But you're right. When the options are there, it's possible. But I don't know if, you know, that 80 year old man who is at the cash cash. register trying to pay, like, what do we say to people like him who can't? just change everything on a dime. I mean, he's 80 years old and he's lived most of his life Mm -hmm. like this. So it's like on the one hand, I recognize the value that technology has brought us and even the film was trying to show, like you said, ordering a pizza Mm -hmm. online, booking airfare online, like all these very convenient things we do today. And it totally helps. So I don't want to take it for granted, but at the same time, there's there's drawbacks. There's trade-offs for some of these things. And your 
security and safety and truly your privacy oh. are the things you've had to compromise yeah. in order to get no a lot of that and a lot of it's that positivity self-sabotage when it comes to our privacy people are just putting their wife on the internet you know don't even care like they're happy to give away their privacy for narcissism narcissism so yeah. well i mean there's a lot of people who volunteer that i agree and and maybe they they don't do it um, under the guise of that being the reason, meaning no. like they're try- they're not posting on social media trying to give away their privacy. But at the same time, if you think about it, that's actually what's what happening. Yeah. You have an opportunity to say yes or no. And if you're saying yes, it is exposing you in Absolutely. a way. Yes, there's a lot of positive that can come from that and a lot of good. Totally see that. But then there's this vulnerable side. And I think like Sandra Bullock's character, to bring it back to the film, kind of wrong time, wrong place, meaning like she kind of got something she sure. shouldn't have gotten. And, you know, she was kind of living a pretty good life and managing it all. And yes, she was definitely an in the know person, but it was all kind of gone mm-hmm. in an instant. And then it's like the paranoia that breeds, like this film was really good about like the who can you trust uh, I, when someone comes at me as an official or someone I'm supposed to believe, mm-hmm. I don't, again, not giving away too much, even your own friends, you think you can trust and you can't. So this this lack of privacy that we have, yeah. when we start to realize that we don't have it like she did in the film, it, it breeds a bit of paranoia in people that's hard to turn off. Now, I'm not going to say this is a, nearly as good as a Hitchcock film, but the Hitch, Hitchcock elements are there with regards to she knows what's going on and nobody believes her. And so that that's kind of a classic thriller element. Um, and so to just kind of wrap up, um, how did you feel about Sandra Bullock basically carrying the whole film? I mean, this is early on in her career. Actually, I think she did a really good job. This would have been post-Speed with Keanu Reeves. But only by a year. Yeah, it was 93 or 94. Yeah. And, you know, she kind of broke out yeah. with that. She, she plays a good kind of... Um, intelligent, like calm, collected, like frenetic person, sure. like who's constantly pulled like, off the tech stuff. Well. Yeah, she's like constantly in these like dangerous and changing and whatever mm-hmm. situations, and is pretty good at like managing them. No, I thought it was well done. There are a few like you know, as is with any Hollywood film, especially one that's before its time. There's of course some like far fetchedness to some of these things. Sure. So expect some cheese. I mean, I would say that to that's somebody. Part of a film, but. It really is telling how, I think, what is this, 28 years old now? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be 30 years old in mm-hmm. a couple of years here. And uh, that's insane, what's happened in uh, almost 30 years, yeah. how this has changed. I mean, you see cell phones in the film that look a lot different than the cell oh, phones yeah. we use today. There were no, like, there, pocket there, computers like that. Like, there was a today. laptop, but not like today's, and most of them were desktops. I mean... The, and the floppy disk. The floppy disk. Everything's a floppy. Actually, the main components of all this are floppy disks. Yeah, but There's I mean. There's no cloud or anything. That's like that. what it was back then. Yeah. And imagine today. That was vulnerable then. Yeah. Imagine how vulnerable oh, it is now. So times worse. It's, I would say this is kind of worth watching. If for no other reason than it's kind of funny to see and interesting to see how far we've come. And... I can't speak to the value of the tech. Like someone who's really like in oh, the sure. know might look at this and laugh and be like, this is dumb. I don't know. I'm yeah. just, everybody actually, listening, I, I don't know. To be too in the know would actually ruin the film for you. It's better to almost be blissfully ignorant about some of this And stuff. most people, to your point earlier, yeah. wouldn't have known much of anything no. about this unless you were studying computers and no. you were you were in the know. And that was by far and away the vast minority of people. Especially Not today. Then. Yeah. Even people who are not computer experts have an incredible amount of savvy because of the things that they need to do every day. And they've learned a lot. You have a lot of kind of armchair experts Mm -hmm. just from life and stuff and things. So it'd be interesting for people to kind of look back and see this. Yeah, you got to start some. But it it gins up a lot of like feelings about safety and security and all of that. Like, I guess I wasn't expecting to come up from it. And there is a good thriller element in here. They do a great job of like maintaining the suspense. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, if nothing else, watch it and take it as a healthy reminder of just being careful, like being vigilant, Mm -hmm. spend your life. Now that we're living in a really connected world, spend your life being as vigilant as you can. That's That's, right. That's really all you can do. So can I leave you? Can, Can you give me your social security number? Um, on, the, on the air. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>
If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video and San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain, Captain Video. 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 Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.